I think the pandemic has taught us that we just can't bet on the future, that we have to look at our options. We have to create the future or create a new future because we thought that our financial system was impenetrable. We thought it was just going to be like this forever. And there's still people who think that. But I think that we're coming closer to understanding that nothing is constant in the world but change. So it's time for change. Hi, and welcome to the New Rules of Business by Chief. I'm Carolyn Childers. And I'm Lindsay Kaplan. And we're the co-founders of Chief, the network of the most powerful women in business. Each episode, we take on a complex leadership question. But this week, we're going to dive into cryptocurrency. Everybody's talking about it. Which coins they own, which coins they're jumping on next. Lindsay, do you own any? Just Lindsay coin. (laughs) But with all of its recent volatility, is it still worth the risk? And how did we get to crypto? Well, during the Great Recession, public trust in financial institutions hit a record low of 20%. And that prompted the creation of the first ever decentralized currency away from the banks with a public virtual ledger. Of course, we're talking about Bitcoin. And that's how our guest, Tavana Evans, got interested in the power of crypto. She knew there was a community of people that would really benefit from the control and access that crypto offers. So she created Guapcoin, a cryptocurrency specifically designed for the Black community. Tavana is also known as the crypto diva. She is a blockchain engineer, a data scientist, and a tech entrepreneur who has been evangelizing how cryptocurrencies like Guapcoin could help money be reinvested into communities of color. We spoke with her about the problems that still exist with reaching the Black community based on accessibility and how you need capital to make capital. Linz, you say we, but Mm -hmm. I actually missed this conversation while I was traveling, Mm -hmm. which is probably for the best because I have been pretty traditional in my investment approach and don't own any crypto yet. But maybe I should look into Lindsay coin. (laughs) And maybe by the end of this convo, you'll buy the dip. So here's my conversation with Tavana ahead. Hey, Tavana, how are you? I'm well. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Typically, I'm accompanied by my co-founder, but today we're going to have more fun without her because I do tell people I'm the more fun co-founder. Okay. (laughs) Also, only one of us owns crypto, and that's me. So before we dive into our conversation on why you created a cryptocurrency specifically for the Black community to combat their lack of trust in financial institutions... I would love to hear more about your entrepreneurial background and how you got here. My first official company was started in 2014, and that was a company called Safe to Meet. And I had a co-founder, and we built a great team. We built a great MVP. But that's when I realized very quickly that women do not get funded (laughs) as much as our male counterparts do, and Black women even less. Mm -hmm. We got to the point where we just really needed to raise money. We put in our own money, our own resources and everything we possibly could. And we were like, if we're going to get to the next stage of this company, we'll have to raise money. So we went on the road to raising money and we're very disappointed. It's a rocky road. So rocky road. Mm Mm-hmm. I had already been introduced to crypto earlier, but honestly, I was like everybody else who got initially introduced to Bitcoin. I didn't know it was money. 
if you had to tell me it was money, I might have looked at it a little differently. But I didn't know at the time. This was way back in, what, 2011, 2010. And so I started to see other tech companies raising money in the crypto space, right? So they were putting out tech projects and they were raising money using crypto. And that's when I began to realize that crypto is money. And I also began to realize how this can unchain us from feeling like we had to go the VC route to get money when we could just raise money for our own project and put out our own project. And that's when I delved even deeper and saw that the financial aspect of crypto would be extremely helpful for the Black community in general. I was like, wow, we need this like we need water. So eventually I did leave that company that I started and I started Guapcoin, the cryptocurrency that I felt would be able to do that for the community. What does Guap stand for? We kind of affectionately said good uses for all people. Mm. But guap is actually urban vernacular in our community for money. But it's not just money. It's like royal money. It's good money. It's money that people feel good about. They're like, oh, I got some guap. (laughs) And when I started guap, I wanted people to understand from the very beginning that this was money. I wanted them to get at least that part. That was the part that I didn't get from Bitcoin. I wanted them to get this right away and understand that this is money that we're creating here. But I think that the big piece to cryptocurrency is accessibility. And that's the part that usually takes money, takes capital, is making this thing accessible to the very people you're trying to reach. And talk to me about what it takes to make it accessible. The biggest accessible thing with crypto is what we call the exchanges, because nowadays that's how you got to get it, right? Well, a lot of people don't know the politics behind exchanges. Mm -hmm. They think that, oh, wow, an exchange is just going to grab you up and put you on there and list you. And that's not how it is. Back in the days, projects used to get voted. If they wanted to be listed on an exchange, they would bring their community to vote. Then it became a money thing. You got to have liquidity and capital. So you got to come in with $50,000 or more just to get in and maybe $2 million worth of liquidity. So that automatically knocks us out the box because, again, we don't have that, right? Mm -hmm. Now you have regulated exchanges that operate just like banks. But there are still Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken, Binance USA. These are heavily regulated exchanges, but they still have ways of making money, of increasing their bottom line. And of course, increasing their bottom line is snatching up these high talked about cryptos that have a high user base because then they know that that's going to be a user base that they're going to be able to adopt. But when you're dealing with the community like I'm dealing with, it's like it kind of works backwards. They're waiting for you to be on Coinbase (laughs) so they can actually get it. So we actually have lots of people that say, wow, so when you get on Coinbase, that's when we're going to get it because that's all they know. It's easier for them. That's all I know. That's where I got my crypto, for better or for worse. Exactly. But the thing is, we need you to get on Coinbase. (laughs) We need the numbers because if it's not going to be a money thing, it has to be a numbers thing. So you can't wait for the accessibility. We're going to have to create the need for accessibility by letting people know that, hey, this is something we're interested in and we want to be able to get that. But we also want to be able to get it easier in a way that's more simplified for us, like through one of these exchanges. It reminds me a bit of getting a product launched through a GoFundMe, where you need people to buy on early, which is a great incentive for the customer because you get that early pricing locked in. 
but you can't just go to a retail store. The company needs people to sign on, to believe in the company, to invest in the product in order for it to hit retail. And that's similar to a coin getting to Coinbase. You have to buy on earlier. Yeah, absolutely. You got to make that noise. And what people fail to realize is that crypto is based on community. Community is the most important aspect of crypto because mm. this is decentralized money. And it's the community that's fueling the money, the adoption, the production, the, the development, everything. So community is very, very, very important. And honestly, in our community, we've had a struggle with community. <laughs> we've had a struggle with organizing community. That's been our pain point because it's very hard to organize community when there's no capital. It's a lot easier when there's a clear incentive right there. But you're getting into new tech, which people don't understand. The average person doesn't understand. You're getting into finance, which a lot of people don't understand. So you're bringing so many new concepts together and kind of trying to corral people up to get involved and get behind. So you say on your website that money goes back out, but it doesn't come back in as it relates to consumer spending in the Black community. And this year, Black spending power reached a record $1.6 trillion. So what role can crypto play in circulating this money back into the community? Well, the underlying technology with crypto is blockchain. And the key driver with blockchain is transparency. Having transparency is like really, really key in data. Well, we don't know the micro data. We don't know the data in terms of how is this affecting these businesses in this community? And if we actually want to turn that around, how do we benchmark that? How do we gauge it? How do we gauge the progress of the initiatives that we're doing to help keep the money circulating in the community? Well, blockchain is actually the perfect tool for that, especially when it comes to the fact that it's transparent, it's decentralized. So that's going to build trust in the community because the biggest thing in our community also is trust. Mm -hmm. We don't trust the corporations. We don't trust each other. So having a trustless system like blockchain that doesn't rely on that thing is going to be very helpful. And it's not just local communities in America. We're talking about global communities of the diaspora that's going to benefit from that. So you get the trust aspect of it. You get the data aspect of it. You get to do things with that data. There isn't a lot of data we can do when it comes to the stock market because you're talking about companies that are going public and all this other stuff. But what about small businesses? How can we actually help the small businesses become the companies that go public? And data could be very instrumental in doing that. We can create new systems of lending, micro lending and stuff like that, just by seeing the growth that's occurring on the blockchain itself. So it's so powerful. It's a very, very powerful tool. But the key thing is the fact that it's not under the auspices of an institution that we don't trust. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that financial literacy is often taught and passed down generation to generation. And for people of color who've been locked out of financial opportunities due to systemic racism, that hasn't always been the case. So are you hopeful that the conversations around crypto will change this, that this becomes a new language and something that the community can rally around and pass down generationally? Absolutely. I think the main part is, like you said, family is a key component of community. 
And crypto is going to allow us to have tools to be able to operate on that level and not necessarily on a level above us like in government because we're able in the crypto world to divorce our financial structure, decentralize it away from government and back into the hands of the people, empowering the people and making them feel like they can make decisions like that, that they're a part of the decision-making process. We're very conservative, believe it or not, the Black community. And I think that it's that conservative element that's going to take this thing, this crypto out of the volatility world and put it into the mass adoption world, to the everyday world, the common people world. And I think that's what we're going to do. I think you bring up a good topic around volatility, because if you were hesitant six months ago, there's been a recent crash that wiped out trillions of dollars worth of digital value. And I think that if you don't have the same financial wealth as white men, you could be scared to enter it today. So why is investing in crypto now a great idea? Well, I think that First of all, volatility is what gets people excited, believe it or not, (laughs) because I mentioned it before, if it were not for the volatility, it wouldn't hit the news. It wouldn't be news at all. It would just be regular board tech stuff, geeky stuff that no one would talk about. But because of the volatility, then you now you got the news stories that are actually garnering the interest in crypto in general, right? And in terms of loss, we're not really in this. Who is in this? The money makers are in crypto. So the same financial, we took the jump from Wall Street to here. These are people that are in crypto hardcore right now in institutions. Mm -hmm. So we're still not talking about the common people per se, not on that level. They're not playing on that level. And I think that they're playing for a different reason. Because when you get crypto, either you're thinking about dollars or you're getting crypto and you're thinking about something new, a new kind of money which is going to eventually divorce itself from the dollar. So our hopes is, if you're a purist, you're thinking about this being a currency or a financial system, and you're not still dependent on the dollar, right? Because that is going to ultimately be what takes crypto to the next level, when crypto surpasses what the dollar is in terms of value, and people thinking that they have to jump from crypto to dollar back to crypto or whatever the case may be. What if this is a currency and you no longer have to jump to the dollar? That's where we're looking to get to from this point. Do you think long-term crypto can close that investing gap with women and people of color that you mentioned? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's doing that. It's just giving us another vehicle to do so, right? And when you're talking about being able to use it on a day-to-day basis, We are going to need something that we can trust. So we feel that we can trust, especially going into the era that we're going into right now. Things are looking pretty dire, right? And we don't want our money connected to the decisions our government is making. We don't want our money connected to a volatile future. So if you measure the volatility of this money versus the volatility of the future that we're going through in every day, Clearly, we may have more of a push going this way than betting on the future. I think the pandemic has taught us that we just can't bet on the future, that we have to look at our options. We have to create the future or create a new future because we thought that our financial system was impenetrable. We just thought it was just going to be like this forever. And there's still people who think that. But I think that we're coming closer to understanding that nothing is constant in the world with change. So it's time for change. 
So speaking of change, as you mentioned, you believe crypto and blockchain could be the future, surpassing our reliance on the dollar. And we're not there yet. But I think there's already a sense of FOMO of people thinking, maybe I missed the boat, maybe I should have learned about crypto five years ago. What do you say to these people who feel like they're too late? Well, I think the good thing is one of the things that you're starting to begin to miss is the actual hype, right? And that's actually a good thing to miss. <laughs> I think you, you missed a lot of losses <laughs> in, the, in the past. So you don't have to deal with that. Now you're dealing with more real projects, the ones that are actually survived, the ones that are still moving on, still dedicated to their mission. Now you get to get a little bit more purism, I guess you could say. I am curious also for so many of our listeners are executives. So through that filter of women, men who are leading companies forward, what advice do you have to executives as they think about incorporating crypto in their own companies? Well, definitely get knowledgeable. Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to have to. This is not one of those things that you can just bring somebody on and say, hey, handle this (laughs) for us, you know, because someone's going to ask you about crypto (laughs) and put you really on blast. You don't have to go back to college for this. You don't have to get another advanced degree. So that's good. This is something that literally you can learn the basics in a couple of hours, tops. You're going to want to empower yourself in that because understand most people in crypto, they've only been here for a few years. Some people may have only been here for six months, <laughs> like, and they're up here already doing their tour in the crypto circuit already speaking. So don't assume that these people have some type of rocket science degree in crypto because that is not the case whatsoever. I've been here since the beginning of the hype. And I've seen people go from zero knowledge to lectures and and stuff like that. So don't think that it's that difficult. Get that knowledge first and get involved. Get a wallet. This is not something that you can push and not be in it as well. You need to get a wallet. You need to get some crypto. You need to interact with it. This is a really authentic thing. You got to do it and get involved. Get a wallet. At the minimum, get a wallet. Is there something that you wish you knew before you got into crypto that you just wish you had that advice that would have saved you some real time, effort, and energy? I wish I would have known that crypto was money. I mean, can you imagine somebody handing you something that you don't know has value? I mean, what do you do? Like, you might lose it, you get rid of it, you don't pay attention to it. I know that the tech journalist, Kara Swisher, has admitted that she lost her passwords to her Bitcoin. So she probably has Lord knows how much money sitting somewhere that she cannot access. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are you most proud of as it relates to Guapcoin and all of the work that you and your team are doing? I'm most proud of the endurance Mm. and not giving up. I think that's my biggest pride that I'm still here, that we're still here. Some of the faces that I've been with in the beginning are still here. I'm most proud of that. But it's like I've been through a lot and I haven't had anything force me off this path. So I'm at year five of Guap Point now. So I'm very, very proud that I'm still here. I'm very proud that we're still pushing forward, still limited capital, but still doing what we can do to make sure that we create accessibility and usability with this. I love that. 
Well, Savannah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us and for digging into crypto and discussing how we can close some of the inequity that we see in finance with getting more people to invest and to buy into coins that are not yet at Bitcoin status that will do more for people who are hesitant, people who want to really recirculate money back into their communities. Absolutely. That was Tavana Evans, the founder of Guapcoin. I haven't heard anyone have a positive take on the crazy ups and downs of the crypto market, but her perspective that the volatility actually makes crypto newsworthy could be a good thing, since it helps increase awareness that digital assets have real market value. If crypto value lives and dies with FOMO, or I guess to put it a little bit more clearly by communities backing it and joining in on the hype, then I personally do not regret missing out on the crash that wiped out trillions of value earlier this year. And I can see why people of color and those who have been historically marginalized by financial institutions could be really hesitant in joining. Yeah, I saw a recent report that said while 9 in 10 people have heard about cryptocurrency, only 16% have actually invested. And the majority of that is men. But interest is growing. Around two-thirds of adults are crypto-curious, sounds sexy, and more than half of them are women. And as the market gets bigger, of course, regulation has to come. While the decentralized nature of crypto is its primary feature, federal regulation can potentially help with adoption by decreasing scams and bringing a whole lot more stability to the market. And the Fed is even toying with the idea of issuing a U.S. digital currency. Which I guess would mean that the Feds might be an earlier adopter than me, which I really cannot let happen. Right? And to Tavana's point, Carolyn, executives need to get smart about this next-gen finance. And the fastest way to learn is by doing. So you're telling me I need to pull out my wallet or my digital wallet and start buying some guap coin. And don't forget to buy some Lindsay coins on sale. Is it a going out of business sale? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's all for this episode of the New Rules of Business by Chief. Don't miss out on all of our Chief content. You can get more podcast episodes by following this show on your favorite podcast app. And if you're more of a social media person, find us and join the conversation on LinkedIn. But if you're ready to up the ante, and if you're thinking about becoming a member of the Chief Network, head to our website, chief.com, where you can apply. As a member, you'll be connected with the most powerful network of executive women across the country. Thanks, Sharon Yee, Courtney Conley, Katrina Conan and Rial, Blaine Edens at Chief, and to our production team, Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Amy Machado, Mary Dew, Gina Moravec, Hannah Pedersen, Madison Lesby, and Jason Mack. Our music is by Colin Hatch. I'm Lindsay Kaplan. And I'm Carolyn Childers. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>